This is the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. Good evening and happy Sunday, everyone. Thanks for joining me tonight for another episode of the Dating and Relationship Show here on 640 Toronto. I'm your host, Joan Kelly Walker. I'm here tonight taking over for Laura this week. So thank you so much for joining. And we have a really important show for you tonight. We are talking about why is it so important to learn how to manage stress, a very big topic. And tonight we'll be diving deeper into this with my guest and my friend, full disclosure, Brian Coons. Brian is a stress, mindfulness, and meditation coach who helps busy professionals manage stress and elevate health and happiness. And of course, that's something that we all want and need. So tonight we'll be chatting about the effects of stress, things you might not know about it, and tools that you can use to manage your stress levels. So Brian, I'm so happy to be talking about this tonight with you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Joan. And yeah, I'm happy to be here to to share and discuss this with you. Okay, amazing. So let's jump right in. I'm sure there's a lot of people thinking like, okay, I really need to listen to this right now. Uh, so like, stress is something that affects all of us in different ways. How do you define stress? Let's start with that. Yeah, well, stress is an interesting thing. So there's so many layers to that answer. I think first off, though, is that stress affects, you know, three quarters of people at least once per week, they say that People are overwhelmed by stress. It's a health epidemic right now. So I think um, in terms of stress as a definition, it really just means that we are not in the present moment. Our body is literally in a state of survival. So we get to that point where uh, we have elevated heart rate. We're not thinking clearly. We could be a state of anxiety and overwhelm. So really, we're not in control of the body. The body's in a real state of survival. And when we're stuck in that state of survival, all types of uh, horrible things can happen to our mental and physical health. Hmm. So are there different levels of stress? Like it's, you know, something, is there small levels of stress? Like, oh, my outfit didn't work out. That was stressing me out. Or, (laughs) you know, obviously that's not going to cause me like anxiety or depression. So like, are there different levels and, and can we kind of navigate through the different levels? Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's different ways of managing different levels. We, you know, we all succumb to stress. And, you know, I, I will say as well that stress is really uh, an internal factor, not an external factor, um, which is kind of goes against what people normally think. We usually point to uh, uh, our job or certain pressure with financial pressure or relationships to be the source of stress. It's an internal thing. And I'll talk more about that. But to answer your question, Chronic stress is the one that really begins to hurt people. So we are stuck in that state of survival. We're not able to self-regulate. We're not able to find our center to integrate, to, to heal, to come into the present moment. Over time, that chronic stress really starts to burn us out. And that's almost like pushing the gas and the brake pedal of a vehicle at the same time. We're just burning and burning and burning cycles of energy. It affects our sleep. It affects our, our, our diet or affects everything we do. And over time, that chronic stress will lead to uh, greater illnesses, mental and physical. Hmm. So, you know, I'm just, I'm thinking of some people that I know, um, and they seem to be in like a state of denial, not that I'm a doctor or, or 
being judgmental or anything, but it is a bit worrisome. So can you talk about chronic stress versus denial? Because I think that happens as a coping mechanism, doesn't it? Well, interestingly, we become addicted to the hormones of stress. So a lot of people will become addicted to that feeling uh, because, you know, when we're in that state of stress, we're releasing adrenaline, which oftentimes people use that as fuel to be, uh, uh, you know, ultra uh, productive or to be able to just muscle through their day. Um, But other chemicals like cortisol and other things are released in that stressful state over time, which really deteriorate us. But we become addicted to that feeling and those hormones of stress. And that's because it becomes a familiar pattern. And we always, our bodies are basically a program that run in patterns, unless we consciously make a decision to, to make a change and then do the work to, to accompany that. But what happens is that we feel that, that we're, we're used to that familiar feeling in the body. So we oftentimes put ourselves into situations to create that stressful feeling because it's familiar and that's something that we use and are, are, are familiar with to typically when it comes to productivity and getting things done. So it's uh, it becomes a vicious cycle when we become addicted to those hormones, uh, and especially chronically over a period of time. And I'm sure a lot of people don't even recognize that. Like they think they're coping, but like that's, that's quite a complex thing that you really have to acknowledge. It's hard to acknowledge your stress. It is. And, you know, the, in the practices that, uh, that I teach and, you know, it really comes down to Joan, like self-awareness over time. And because a lot of us, unfortunately are operating unconsciously. Most of the time, we just run through those same patterns because, our thoughts literally run through those same patterns day over day. Unless we begin to create a shift in those patterns, it just becomes part of who we are. It's part of the story we tell. I'm just a stressed out person. This is how I am. We, we tell a story to support that. And that really gets us stuck into that groove. And, you know, again, if we don't make a shift from that groove over periods of time, we do burn out or worse. Hmm. So, you know, like, look, we're, we're out of, you know, I'm going to say we're out of COVID now. I don't, some people might disagree with that, but I feel like as a society, we've been through a great deal that has been very stressful, which I'm sure affected different people in different ways, financially, emotionally, relationship wise. Um, So what would you say right now are the biggest stressors that people should be aware of? Good question. I would say the biggest stressors are literally our our own thinking patterns. And, Mm. you know, I mentioned that self-awareness earlier, but we are wired for survival and not happiness, meaning that our brains, uh, our our old technology based on when we were, um, when everything in the world wanted to kill us, saber-toothed tigers, all the things, we were always on high alert looking for the next problem, looking for the next thing to, to watch out for, because ultimately our bodies want to survive and procreate. That's what we're designed to do. When those thought patterns that we have, which uh, are 80% skewed negatively, that's just part of the part of the wiring that we have. And of those 80% of thoughts, 95% of those repeat day over day. So if those thoughts go unchecked, 
And we let those thoughts uh, begin to manifest into feelings and into emotions. Eventually, they become a mood. And then that mood feeds more thoughts. This creates a loop internally. So it really comes down to managing stress from within. And a lot of these thoughts are also based on the way we experience the world around us. Um, and that also comes down to repressed and suppressed emotions over the course of our lives. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, you you said so much here. I'm like, okay, which direction are we <laughs> going to go with this? So, okay. If, if according to the world health organization, stress has been classified as the health epidemic of the 21st century, were stress levels this high in like the 19th century or before that? Or do you think it's now the fact that everybody's available to everyone at the same time, everybody's so visible all at the same time through social media or through LinkedIn or whatever profiles? Um, how much does that factor into it? I think it has a great amount uh, of influence. You know, the world is so much noisier and so much faster than it was in the 1900s. Our our smartphone, which we all have, which we all spend too much time on, really is just an extension of our thinking mind. It's it's designed to, you know, in social media and a lot of these apps are built by some of the brightest engineers in the world to keep us addicted to that uh, to that phone. And each time we scroll, we get a little dopamine hit that just kind of keeps us triggered. But we are still unconscious. We're still pulled into that that thinking pattern, that overthinking pattern. And uh, it really does create a sense of uh, disease and unhappiness. So I I think it's just the world is just so busy now. And there's so much going on that we really need to protect time to kind of get back into our bodies again. You know, in the 1900s, we, we had much more opportunity to connect with nature and a much simpler life to be able to to center ourselves every so often, but now it's just so noisy. We, we get pulled into tech. Everybody can reach us at any time. Um, so it's so important to, to protect time to, uh, to, for, for certain practices to find that center. Yeah. To protect ourselves more than anything. So it seems like the, to me anyway, it's, or maybe it's just, you know, the older I get, the more I feel like the world is getting faster and faster and there's always more to do. And I keep trying to get a, rid of things that I'm responsible for so I don't get stressed. But it feels like it's going to get faster. So for me, it seems like we have to start to really focus and deal with this now. And I've noticed on, um, you know, just in my friend group, like a lot of people are now really shifting their focus to themselves. And mm-hmm. I kind of feel like we have to do this. We have to deal with this now because what's going to happen for our kids' generation? Yeah, absolutely. We need to protect time every day for some type of self-care practice to find that center. And 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 just to do that work, just to just to be able to create the resilience to handle the world that we're living in today. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Well, you know what? We're gonna have to take a break. And you know, just before the break, I just want to reiterate something you said about three quarters of the people feel overwhelmed by stress at least once a week. So that's why we're talking about this. And if you're one of those people, that's you know, I'm happy that you're listening tonight. Um, and we're gonna talk more about why it's important for us to pay attention to the stress in our lives and what the heck to do about it. So we'll take a quick break now and then we'll be back to talk about things that you might not know about stress. We'll be right back. 
You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640. I'm your host for tonight, Joan Kelly Walker, with my guest, Brian Coons, jumping back into our very important discussion about the realities of stress. So, Brian, how does stress affect us and what are some of the ways that this can impact our lives? And I'm asking that just in case somebody's just joining right now. Let's do a, a quick recap um, of, you know, what is happening with all the stress that everybody's feeling right now? What are the ways that it's impacting us? Well, again, when we're in a state of stress, we're in survival mode. So at that point, we're not able to create. We're not able to, to use our intuition and our wisdom to, to, to create new things and, and expand where we're in a state of survival. We're literally in a place where we are flooding our body with, with chemicals, with cortisol, with adrenaline, and we are deteriorating our health and uh, mental and physical health. So it's, it really comes down to being aware of that first off. And also, as I mentioned earlier, you know, the fact that we become addicted to this state becomes a familiar place to go and our bodies just fall right into that state. And if we don't have those stressors, sometimes we look for those stressors to kind of create that drama within ourselves. So it's so important, first of all, just to recognize this. And you mentioned earlier that people, some people are in denial. Well, they're not maybe not even in denial, but they're just literally unconscious of that fact. They're just mm-hmm. bolstering yeah, this with a story. Into, like a fog almost. Like they yeah. can't move forward because they're just sort of stuck. I've seen that happen with, you know, some friends and it, it's really hard to see. Um, so, so let's move into talking about managing stress, which dictates your ability to reach the next level. Yes in your life of where you want to go. So, I mean, there's the how many million dollar question, how the heck do we do that? Right. Well, it really first comes down to um, your why and wanting to do this, uh, doing, doing this work. So first off, I mean, realizing first that you are stressed out and that you need to take some action every day to work towards that. And for most people, I, I really t- typically recommend that they start first thing in the morning when they wake up, uh, just by creating a little bit of space to start the day. What do most people do when they wake up? They grab their phone, they Coffee. start scrolling <laughs> yeah. yeah, with the phone, right? So, yeah. um, so it really comes down to like getting up in the morning and not looking at your phone right away and typically taking even just time for like a, a small breath work, a meditation practice, some type of self-care thing where you can just sit for a few moments hydrate with some lemon water before the coffee and just take a moment to clear your mind. Because when we wake up in the morning, there's just, if we're looking at our phone and we wake up in the morning, our noise meter is at zero. It's at plus five. The moment we look at our phone, it's, it's, we're going to be pulled into someone else's timeline. We're going to be looking at social media, comparing, we're going to start that process of overthinking, uh, problem solving, ruminating, rather than taking that time to put that armor resilience on. So it really starts by protecting a little bit of time first thing in the morning before you even start your day. Yeah. So um, 
like it sounds to me you're saying that it's actually a choice that you make like you make a plan and then you can either choose to stick to it or not stick to it and you know things happen your kid gets sick you, you know something happens and and you can't stick to the plan but for the most part that's a choice and i think people set themselves up for pit failure because they want to make a they want to make the right choice and they want to make a plan they want to stick to it but they just for some reason don't and then they feel like they've failed is that yeah. right are you finding that yeah. with the people nope. that come to you absolutely absolutely and you know that whole feeling of guilt and failure and shame and fear around mm-hmm. this is, is is you know we need to be kind and compassionate to ourselves these are these are busy times these are these are times of unknown and so just first of all having that intention to want to do to create some type of change means, you know, it's just like going to join a fitness program or something. And most people understand that concept of training the body. You have to protect time every day to do certain things. And over time, you notice changes. It's just like training the mind to become stronger than your emotions. And it's absolutely something that we can train. We have the ability to literally rewire our brain and nervous system through neuroplasticity. That means that Thoughts that fire together, wire together. When we create a change, a different script, we start to go inward and create a little bit of peace. We can literally change the way we see the world and change the way we're able to manage stress because we can't hide from it. It's always going to be there. There's always going to be something. It's just how well can we manage it when it happens? Hmm. And I know that there's probably somebody out there thinking, okay, how long do I have to do this before I start to get the benefits of that? Because when you do all this stuff, you're managing your health, your wealth, your success, your relationships, you know, your, your peace, your happiness, all of those things. So like, what is realistic for people to expect results? Or is there that are there no everybody? no it, it is different for everyone because you know it goes into a deeper topic of healing eventually too and I mentioned earlier the repressed suppressed emotions that's a deep topic but just in terms of quickly self regulating yourself what is the fastest lever on the nervous system to allow me to pull me out of a state of rumination or anxiety how do I come out of anxiety very very quickly to find my center there's some very very simple breathwork techniques that you can do in the car, at work, anywhere. Uh, One of them is called side breathing. And there's a gentleman by the name of uh, Dr. Andrew Huberman. He's a neuroscientist at Stanford and he's has the number one health podcast. He has the science behind all of the different techniques that I teach. And it's fantastic to see how much this is being studied now and how important it is, but it's literally two inhales through the nose and one exhale three times can literally bring you back to the center, bring you back to the present moment. You're like, whoa, where was I a moment ago? So I have people set notifications on their phone for twice a day. And this is something anybody can do tomorrow during the two times during the day that you're busy. And that during that time, it goes off. You just stop what you're doing. Stop moving your body. Just take a moment to do a couple deep breaths or that side breathing technique. Just check in. Where was I? How am I feeling? What's going on around me? and then proceed with your day. It's a two-minute practice, and that's one of those things you can do right away to to make at least break up the stress a little bit, start to chip away at it. 
Hmm. So, you know, I think it's also because you feel like you're doing something for yourself. You've stuck to the plan. You feel successful. You made something happen. You feel like you changed your state somehow. So that seems, you know, that certainly seems doable. Like you said, even in your car, going through a drive through do it. You know, if your kids are watching TV, you can take two minutes and do that. That's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And and with consistency, you create momentum, you create that habit. So over time, you just become more self-aware. So when you feel yourself getting into that red zone and in mindfulness, we call it the window of tolerance. When you start to move out of the yellow area and into that red zone where you are in that state of survival, I've mentioned a few times, it's at that point that you want to find a way to bring yourself back into a state of, of safety and mm-hmm. just doing a quick breathwork technique like that, or just stopping for a moment to catch your breath, just to kind of just check in. How am I feeling? Cause we spend so much time in our heads spinning and problem solving. We don't even know what's happening in our bodies. What's what, what's going on within us and around us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I've, Someone told me once the power of the pause, like even before Mm. you enter a room, just pause for a moment and just check with yourself. Like, am I calm? Am I this? And, you know, that kind of stuck with me because I, you know, in my own house, even I march around all over the place and I'm busy (laughs) and I'm grabbing stuff. And, you know, you, you don't think about it unless you do it intentionally. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And this is an intentional practice and it's so simple and when it comes to breathing, people don't necessarily give that uh, much credit because we, we think we do it anyway, even though we take 20,000 breaths a day, most people don't take one conscious deep breath. Most of those breaths are shallow chest breathing. A lot of people hold their breath that creates oxidative stress in the body as well. So just stopping and pausing and taking a couple of deep breaths changes your state. It physically changes your whole state of the nervous system. It's a quick reset. Hmm. Yeah. uh, Tony Robbins, if anybody follows him, he's, he talks about change your state. So it's like for him, he talks about it being a bit more instant. I'm certainly not an expert on Tony Robbins. Um, But okay. So let's share some things, interesting uh, things that people may not know about stress. Okay. Uh, well, I would say the biggest thing is, and I touched on it earlier, is that stress is actually uh, an inside job. So uh, repressed and suppressed emotions are triggered by outside experiences. So repressed are is what's been put into us uh, involuntarily. So a lot of times when we're kids, certain things happened that stick with us, that create um, what Michael Singer calls uh, from the book, The Untethered Soul, stored junk that is gets trapped inside of us. And then the suppressed emotions are the things that have happened to us over the years that we've just pushed away and we've just kind of pushed into, uh, into the body. We don't really pay attention to. So when a stressor, so it's not or, someone or something, it's no. the way that we feel and the way that we sort of accumulate it. Exactly. It's the way we are able to interpret experiences around us. So when you become more aware and you've practiced becoming more aware through a meditation, which essentially means to become familiar with yourself, you've sat with yourself in a a particular way over a period of time, you start to notice when 
what would be considered a stressor comes in, you notice what's happening to you in your body first. And you start to realize like, whoa, okay, that's something that's coming towards me because there's a fear that I haven't dealt with, or that's coming because that's making me feel a lot of guilt or, 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 or whatever it is, or anger, which is very common because when we suppress uh, emotions, oftentimes they come up in anger. So that's a deeper process of healing. So first of all, we just identifying that we have stress in our lives, that we want to do something about it. And then through this process of meditation, mindfulness, breath work, what I've discussed so far, over time, we begin to let go of some of those things that we've stored. And you'll find that over time that you become much less triggered. I mean, I used to be somebody um, who was horrible with road rage. I had so much anger um, stored inside oh. me. And, and I, you know, I, when I started doing this work, you know, many years ago, it wasn't to do, to, to alleviate anger. It was more curious about the mystical, but over time I realized, wait a minute, I'm becoming much more peaceful because I started to let some of those things go. And um, people don't, people have been in a state of stress for so long at times they forget what it's like just to feel a blissful, peaceful moment uh, with no noise. Hmm. And the other thing that came to my mind is the fact that thoughts are not facts necessarily. Like I might, you know, have these crazy thoughts in my brain and they arise. Sometimes, you know, you're not even really aware of it, but they create feelings, which create emotion, which feeds more thoughts. Yes. Thoughts are not facts. They may lead to facts, but they're not facts. It's like reading the menu, but it's not the meal. So with awareness, we become aware of thoughts and that's really where it starts. That's really where we can start to prune those negative thoughts right as they come up and just let them pass without attaching to them. And then creating a story around that, which becomes a narrative, which becomes a rumination, which becomes who we identify with, but that's not actually who we are. Hmm. And we're going to talk more about that. But right now we have to take a quick break and then we'll be back to talk about tools for managing your stress with Brian Coons. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. We're back on the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640. I'm here with you tonight as your host. I'm Joan Kelly Walker, and I'm joined by my friend, Brian Coons. And we are going to get back to this very important that chat that we're having about managing stress, which is not easy, but with the right tools, you can start to get a handle on this. So let's talk about some of the tools that you can use with stress and how you can get started with that. And Brian, I know you are a big proponent of uh, specialized breathing. So, so let's start with that one. How do you do that? Sure. So there's two types of breathing. Uh, there's conscious breathing, which is breath work. That means I'm going to use my breath as a tool in different variations to overcome that stress response, to pull my body back into that safety system. And then there's breath observing or breath watching, which is essentially meditation where you're just focusing your attention on your natural breathing pattern. And both of those have different applications. So I'll start with conscious breathing 
And I, I alluded earlier to sigh breathing, which is a very fast and powerful technique to um, balance the level of CO2 and O2 in the body. It's, it will bring you back to center very quickly. Another very popular quick two-minute breathwork exercise is called the 478 breath. Dr. Anthony Weil uh, created this breathwork technique. It's the most powerful breathwork technique that he's come up with. He's a dude in his 80s, and he's just an incredible guy to, to check out on um, to, to see him demonstrate this. That's four seconds in through the nose. Hold for seven, and then eight seconds out, audibly and forcibly. Doing that four times. This is an actual practice that over the course of several weeks lowers your heart rate. It lowers your blood pressure. It helps you come out of an anxiety attack at any moment. So there's just so many quick things you can do just by consciously breathing to bring yourself back to center. Hmm. Okay. So, uh, so breath work, I mean, we could do a whole show just talking about that, but I, yeah. there's so many other tools for healing and personal growth that I want to talk to. I know that you also do a lot of meditation. So can we talk about meditation? What, what do you suggest? Is yeah, it better so, to do a guided meditation or you just sit by yourself? How long, how do I start? Yeah, I think it's important to have some type of plan with meditation. A lot of people will bounce from app to app and looking for something to just help them relax. And that's wonderful. But with a specific technique, you may not be uh, actually getting in to do some of that deeper rewiring. So mindfulness meditation is what I've been practicing and studying for, for over a decade. Uh, that's a wonderful way uh, and the most clinically used meditation method for overcoming stress. There's something called the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Program that's actually in a clinical setting that's available that you can look up and, and take. Um, and basically, that's just protecting a little, little bit of time to follow the breath and just really feel what's happening in the body. Focus on putting your attention into the body. When we do that, oftentimes it's uncomfortable because we are... Typically, we're stressed. We like to avoid any uh, kind of internal uh, feelings or dialogue. So that's just sitting with that. And as my teachers say, just cooking the soup. You, the more time you spend with that, the more time you start to integrate and heal. Another very powerful breathwork or sorry, meditation uh, practice is called heart coherence. So when we're in a state of stress, we are in full chaos. We are disorder. In heart coherence, we are creating a calm and relaxed heart, but an alert brain. And it turns out the heart actually um, signals the brain more than the brain signaling the heart in the body. People don't realize that. So by focusing on that heart center and opening that heart center, we're signaling the brain and creating a full coherence in the body. And that's a very healing practice um, that you can also do, which I highly recommend. So are these guided meditations or you're just sitting in quiet by yourself? Typically, starting with guided is the way to go uh, with a reputable uh, meditation um, instructor. So it's better to, to learn how to do some of these techniques guided and then kind of go off and do it on your own afterwards. So typically, I recommend starting guided. And, you know, they say that, you know, I know that you can, people say a three-minute meditation, five-minute meditation. They say that the research points to about 12 minutes of minimum um, is is the right amount to, to do the deeper work. Um, but really the only bad meditation is the one you miss in my opinion. Hmm. Okay. And, and so you like, do you meditate, meditate more than once a day, like first thing in the morning and at night or like, what, what do you do? I, well, I push, ideal. Yeah. Ideal is I, I like what people do in the morning. Cause it really sets their tra trajectory up for the day. When you meditate in the morning, 
your day lands in a very different place than if, if you don't. Um, but I also, you know, a lot of people will, will book in their day as well and, and do uh, a meditation before bed that really helps them fall into a deeper, more peaceful sleep. Um, I know that some people, you know, that I talk to, they're not morning people or they just can't do things in the morning. It's just important to schedule it though. It, when you, if you decide you want to start a meditation practice, just start small, don't overwhelm yourself, but protect time every day around the same time. And I also like to do it in the same place as well. There's a certain energy uh, in a space where you practice when you get in there and your body just knows it's time to sit and it's time to go deep. So really just protecting the time to do it daily. The time of day doesn't matter as much, but I personally prefer first thing in the morning. Um, and then again, at, in the evening before bed. Hmm. And for some reason, I always thought you had to meditate for like an hour. And, you know, but you said 12 minutes is super effective. So 12 minutes, I think is doable. So uh, yeah, so that's, that's amazing. We've got such a big long list here. Um, let's move on to cold exposure. How does that help heal people for personal growth? Well, the great thing about cold exposure from a stress per uh, perspective is that it is putting a controlled stress response on the body. So we all know what it feels like to go into to jump into cold water. You yeah. gasp, you, 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 you breathe quickly through the mouth, your heart rate goes yeah. up. If you do that every day, scream, in a cold shower, as in my case, yeah. <laughs> scream, whatever it is. But then after a few seconds, if you catch your breath and breathe in through the nose, which activates the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest and digest with long exhales, you bring your heart rate back down and then you overcome that, that stress response. And usually it's the first 30 seconds of being the cold is the most difficult. That's where people typically uh, want to bolt out of there very quickly. Um, but if you're able to overcome that every single day, you've now created in your mind an ability to overcome any stress response just through that. Now, cold exposure in general has a tremendous amount of other benefits as well, which probably don't have time to get into, but from a stress perspective, it really helps you overcome that by with that controlled stress response. Amazing. We're going to take one last quick break now, and then we'll be back to discuss more ways that you can keep your stress levels low. Stay tuned. Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's News. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome back, everyone, to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640. I'm your host for tonight, John Kelly Walker, with my guest, Brian Coons. We're getting right back into our discussion on managing stress. Okay, so we talked about tools for healing and for personal growth. So we talked about meditation, breath work, cold exposure. Let's move on and talk about some of the basic things like sleep, diet, exercise. Yes, absolutely. Well, you know, we all know how good we feel after exercise. Exercise does create such a powerful state change, uh, not only uh, physically, but mentally as well. So uh, getting that exercise in every day, eating clean, it all fits in with sleep and sleep really is at the top of the food chain. If we're not getting good quality sleep every single night, uh, we're going to be depleting ourselves very quickly and much more susceptible to uh, being overwhelmed by stress. So uh, those three really are the pillar. And, um, you know, I'm happy to report that meditation is now considered the fourth pillar along with those three. Hmm, amazing. Okay. Um, 
Now, I, I like to listen to podcasts, and I just have noticed there seems to be a lot of people talking about ayahuasca and psilocybin, which are mushrooms. Um, is this something that you recommend for people to use to help manage stress? Is it a tool for that? It's a tool for healing, and they that fits hand in hand with stress, as, as we've alluded to. There's, there seems to be a trend right now with, uh, with plant medicine, I guess, recreationally, um, people are you know wanting to do this all the time. I, I really feel that people should, uh, now, first off, I, I would say I'm a big fan of psychedelics for healing. Um, there's a person called Stanislav Grof who created the holotropic breathwork method because he was in the psychedelics back in the, before the war on drugs. And I'm on calls in his group quite often with clinicians around the world who are using psychedelics very successfully in treating people with psilocybin and MDMA and LSD. Um, and I've also you know, had over 10 years of experience personally uh, using ayahuasca in ceremony with shamans. It's been tremendously healing for me. I think it's very important for people to begin doing yeah, the to work. To make their, on their own, own. Just, yes. yeah, do their and, and research. To, and not just jump into that because it seems like the cool thing to do or without a proper intention. So I just think it's being a little bit too widely used or people are doing it and not actually taking what they learned from that and integrating it into day-to-day -day life. But nothing will, will um, be more effective than just intentionally creating a habit of doing some work for yourself, some type of self-care practice every day to center and doing that every day for life. It's, it is yeah. a lifelong journey. Yeah. And another thing about self-care that I have observed is forgiveness. Like we need to forgive ourselves and we need to forgive others. And I'm just thinking about this because I'm, I'm, I just picked up Matthew Perry's book and like, he really owns it. And I think that's part of the journey in getting to the place where you're like, okay, all of that happened, but I'm, I'm going forward now. And a lot of people seem to do that. So, so forgiveness is definitely one, uh, but there's other, other tools as well, like um, mindfulness and awareness. So can you talk about those? So yeah, and forgiveness is so important. And that really comes down to that letting go piece, letting go of whatever we're holding on to, um, whether it's uh, you know, anger, um, forgiving, all those things, just letting it go. But mindfulness and awareness, 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 and mindfulness are synonyms. They mean the same thing. And it really just means knowing what's happening in the body as it's happening um, and, and being aware of where we are. So that means being in the present moment because when we're stuck in the future, we're, we're caught in that anxiety trap when we're holding on. Um, we're not forgiving ourselves. We're holding on to the past. That's where depression stems from. So with mindfulness and awareness, we're able to spend more time in the present moment with kindness and compassion to self and mm -hmm. really being gentle with ourselves. So is that separate from gratitude practice? No, no. Gratitude is a wonderful practice. And it's actually something that's also amenable to neuroplasticity, regardless of how we feel every day when we wake up. Some people are just wired to be a little more grateful than others, and that's okay. Wherever your baseline is, you can become more grateful by practicing gratitude. And there's a lot of different amazing practices of doing that, but it really comes down to just feeling great, great gratitude more often. The feeling part is where we disconnect uh, oftentimes and which leads to stress because we spend so much time trying to figure it out in our, in our minds. We try to problem solve it using our left brain instead of stopping just feeling, feeling gratitude, just being grateful for this breath in this moment. Um, can bring so much joy to us, just some of these simple things, but we have to stop and practice them. Mm -hmm. Okay. So journaling, mm -hmm. that's been around forever. You know, what is the best way to journal effectively? Or it doesn't matter. Is there no rules? There, there are a number of ways of doing this. I like to have people do a journaling challenge where they'll write down three questions every day. 
what filled me with enthusiasm today, what drained me of energy today, and what did I learn about myself today? Having people do that for 30 days in a row will create a tremendous amount of self-awareness and clarity in terms of what's happening. Because oftentimes, just that act of getting the subconscious onto paper, thinking a little bit differently will really, really open up things for people. And, and again, it's just another wonderful tool to become more self-aware. Hmm. Okay. So I'm, I'm just being a bit mindful of time. What advice do you give to someone if they come to you and say, okay, I'm completely stressed. I can't deal with anything. Like, where do they start? What's the most important thing? Most important thing is starting by uh, protecting time every day for some self-care practice. And typically, if somebody's overwhelmed, you do not want to overwhelm them with a whole list of things to do. So usually it's, it's just protecting a little bit of time to stop and do some type of breathing exercise or some meditation and just a small dose. So just having that one thing each day to be that anchor, to bring them to center. And then typically I'll layer on more practices and more tools as, as time goes forward. But really it just comes down to protecting time for themselves to, to go inward without the tech, without all the alerts and the notifications and the noise, and just really learn to reconnect to themselves and to the, into the earth around them. Okay. And then if you've noticed or observed someone else in your life who is stressed, uh, can you come to them and say, you know, I feel like you're stressed. You should be doing this. Like, is that effective at all? Or they just have to come no, to it on their own? Not, not really. And, and I've tried to impose my, um, my, um, you know, guidance on certain people, it really has to be um, for somebody who is ready to do this. And oftentimes, unfortunately, that means that something uh, catastrophic may have happened. Maybe they've hit a wall. Maybe there's a relationship that's blown up, a career, uh, perhaps a health scare. It's usually something like that, unfortunately, that makes people make that step and to commit to it. Um, it's really hard to impose that on people. And, you know, as we started the conversation, um, you mentioned like denial, but, you know, when people are, are in their groove, you know, they're not going to really be ready to listen unless they're ready to listen. And, and it's, it's, it has to come when they're ready to do this. Mm. Brian, I could continue this conversation forever, but unfortunately we're out of time. I want to thank everyone for listening on this week's episode of the dating and relationship show. Stress can impact us all in so many ways, mentally, physically, emotionally, and it can put a big strain on our relationships if we don't take care of ourselves. Let's keep this discussion about stress going after the show. You can follow me on Instagram at Joan Kelly Walker official. You can follow Laura at official Laura Bellotta. You can follow this show at the dating and relationship show. And Brian, where do we find you? at Brian Coons. Okay. And that's C-O-O-N-E-S. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the Dating Relationship Show. Thank you so much to our producer, Natasha. Have a great night, everyone.